It's time to get back to the Matt Wyatt Show. Live in the studio. Hey, here we go. Back on the show with you, back in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau Insurance, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance. Staying connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired. Well, I, I know that you know that it's Friday. I know you know it's February the 4th because... I repeated that date to you several times in the first hour going, what the heck's going on at Auburn with their football program on February the 4th? Okay, so we know it's Friday, the 4th of February. But more importantly, folks, we are two weeks away from first pitch. Let her rip, take her chip. Fourteen days from today, we're going to be getting ready for the first pitch of the 2022 college baseball season. Well, I beat the drum and hold the phone. The sun came out today. Man, I'm so ready for the sun to come out. I'm sick and tired of this cold weather. Now, I know it'll be cold and possibly when we start playing baseball in a couple of weeks. But at least it'll mean warmer days are ahead. Maybe the sun will be out by then. And a guy who I know you're going to hear calling baseball is on your radio right now, on the Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment Madison, and in Jackson. Uh, he is the play-by-play voice for Mississippi State Sports on the SEC Network and SEC Network Plus. He is your 2019 Mississippi Sportscaster of the Year. Number one in your program, number one in your heart, Bart Gregory. Hey, Bart! Two weeks, man. Two weeks. Not long now, Matt. Hey, That's you're the 2020 winner, so you're more recent than I am. Did you get your trophy the other yeah, day in the mail? Yeah, I did. And I did, too. I got it in the mail. It's really they were, they were They were wanting us to uh, to take pictures and kind of tweet that out, and I'm just not – I mean, nah. I just I don't feel good about tweeting myself out with an award. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I'm just, hey here, let's do this. Send me a picture of yours, and I'll tweet your trophy, and and you tweet my trophy. How about that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm like that, you. I'm not that vain. <laughs> yeah, I'm like you. It is very pointy on the top of it, though. It could be used as a weapon. I don't know. If, and you've got little youngins running around, so you know you might want to be careful with that trophy. But yeah, um, and I also said this part. I said number one in your program, number one in your heart. When you were playing ball at Nanawaya, what number did you wear? What jersey number were you? I wore number eight after the great Gary Carter. Oh, oh Gary yes. Carter fan. Man, I love Gary Carter. I was a catcher. I was a catcher growing up from eight to eighteen and and uh Gary Carter was uh with the Mets. Of course I grew up a Cubs fan. Yeah. But I always liked the Mets and I love Gary Carter. I thought he was awesome. That's neat. Um so he was eight. See, whenever I hear the number eight in my head, immediately the football thing goes off, and I think of Steve Young. For whatever reason, Steve Young is the most notable number eight in my head. Uh, but I'm gonna run. I'm gonna throw one at you here, Bart. So number eight. I don't know why I would remember this, and I could be totally wrong. But didn't Barry Patton wear number eight when he was a catcher at Mississippi State? Wasn't he a single digit? Was it eight? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Barry was. Uh, I'm pretty sure Barry was number eight. I think, I think he was. was. Yeah. And well, so, uh, but Barry's like a year older than we are. 
Oh, really? And so uh, <laughs> he was a part of that 94 draft class, mm-hmm. or 94 signing class that was number one in the country. Steve Smith signed that class. That was like, you know, the Bows, and you had uh, your Rusty Toms, you had Barry Patton, and all those guys. They were the number one. Richard Lee, number yeah. one ranked recruiting class in the country in 94. Yeah. yeah. So we were in school when those guys were on the diamond for state. Richard Lee, I mean, for a long time, he was way up there at the top of the record books. He hit a bunch of home runs as a first baseman in his career there in the 90s. I don't know if somebody's passed him since then, but, you know, every now and then uh, he was known to leave the yard for sure, wasn't he? Well, and two, he he led the uh, – he, he was the Mississippi State leader in hits. Wow. For a long time. I mean, he was he let it hit, and then Travis Chapman was one away from him. And I think we've told the story before about you know Travis hitting a ground ball, not just a hot shot, third baseman at Clemson made a backhand stab at it and got up and threw it, and he was safe at first, and they gave him an error. And what they didn't understand, that was his last college at bat. Oh, wow. And it was a base hit. It was a base hit in anybody's book, and he would have been tied with Richard Lee as the all-time leader in hits. And then, of course, Jeffrey Ray comes through mm-hmm. and breaks the record. And then, of course, Jake Mangum a few years ago comes back and eclipses that record. And so, yeah, Richard Lee for a long time, or for several years there, was the uh, all-time hits leader state. Uh, that's great. I, I didn't remember that. Bart Gregory on your radio. Y'all follow him on Twitter if you don't already, at Bart Gregory. When Mississippi State throws out first pitch in exactly two weeks from today, 14 days, Bart will be on the call on the uh, SEC Network Plus, and obviously you you watch and listen his broadcasts uh, throughout the year uh, with Charlie Winfield, and I'll slip in there and maybe do a few um, uh, this year also. So really looking forward to it. So Bart, here we are, you know, two weeks away. I just wanted to talk to you because two weeks feels real, like you said, it'll be here before we know it, sort of thing, and. Just overall thought going into this year, kind of give me a good context, the way you are approaching this season in your head for this team, given the experience we're all coming off of. Well, here's the, and I actually, that was, actually asked this question at lunch um, with my good friend Brock Turnipseed. And Brock says, mm-hmm. you know, what are you thinking about this year? And I was like, you know, to be honest with you, I kind of have the same thought process as I've had in the last three to four years where you feel like, hey, we've got a good team. This could be a team that can go to regional, super regional. You know, if you got hot at the right time, go to the College World Series. But the thing about baseball is this, Matt, you know this. I mean, we could roll out that first weekend. We're playing against Long Beach State. Mm-hmm. They're a top 25 team. They've got, you know, Devereaux, who's phenomenal on the back end. They've got Ramirez, who's a good starting pitcher. And then you go down to Tulane, who's – you're trying to replace some guys in their starting rotation, but they're really good too. And I mean, you could lose two out of three early in the season and everybody's going to fall off the cliff, but you don't understand. I mean, mm-hmm. baseball is just a, man, it's a longevity deal. I mean, I think we're going to be good, but there's a lot of teams out there that are going to be good. I mean, you look at the SEC right now. I like our line because I mean, and Charlie and I talked about this last week. We were like, you know, sometimes as fans, we start thinking about, we compare our players to what we, what we've had in the past. Mm-hmm. And you're not comparing them to what you're going to compete against. Yeah, I like our lineup. I like, you know, we have some question marks in some spots. We have some question marks in some parts of the, of the starting rotation. But then who are you going to be played against? Man, I, you, you look at LSU offensively. LSU offensively should be really, really good. Right. We don't know about their starting pitching. Ole Miss has got everybody back except for Kale Baker at first base. I mean, they got everybody back in their lineup. The other question marks become starting pitching on the weekend. Of course, they have Derek Diamond. 
You look at Arkansas. They don't have Franklin back in their lineup, but you know, they've got some guys coming back pitching-wise and other guys in their lineup that are going to be solid. You know, you look at Florida. Florida, hey, they've got the best talent that, you know, everybody tells us every year they've got the best talent in the country. Right. And so it's just, man, it's just a fine line. And so to, to be able to come back and say, this is what we're going to do, um, this, you know, this is the World Series team or this is the national championship team, you know, we had a chance the other day and, um, I had a chance to sit to, to talk with Pat Casey, who was the mm. you know, former head coach at Oregon State. And you know, Pat Casey was like, hey, let me tell you, the thing you've got to understand is, you know, you can't defend the national championship. It's just another season. You've got to go out and try to win another. That's and exactly. so once your guys can understand that, that, uh, that this is a completely different season. Um, and actually that interview, we're going to pop that interview out in the next day or so. And so, but it was, man, he, he really spelled it out there. He was really good. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is just going to be a, it's a legitimate, I think a legitimate, you know, top tier team and everything's just got to fall in place. You got to get hot at the right time, just like we did last year. Sure. Bart Gregory on your radio right now on the Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment, your Kubota dealer in Madison and in Jackson. Um, and, and you can hear uh, Bart, including you know past interviews and the one he just mentioned coming up, he and Charlie on the Out of Left Field podcast, which is fantastic for sports fans, so check it out if you haven't already. Bart, um, that's the thing about it, too. It's like I, I, I want to have plenty of confidence, and state fans should have confidence, but it's okay to pragmatically go into a season and say, look, you know, you're you're probably not going to go undefeated in midweek games this year like you did last year. You know, you're probably going to have some growing pains as you figure out rotation and moving closer to starter and 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 a few different places out in the field. You know, you're probably and and so even though you win the national championship last year, don't you think? I mean, it's justified to come in here to this year before you start with it 2 weeks away and say, "Hey, listen, state fans, just remember Early season baseball can fool you. You can start 18 and 0 and it can fall apart and you don't even make Hoover. Or you can start 4 and 6 and wind up in Omaha. Don't let the early part of the season get to you. Don't you think that's justifiable? Absolutely. I mean, and this, you know, in baseball, it's, it's all about getting hot and feeling good at the right time. And I mean, we talk about Long Beach State, that team you're going to play. I mean, last year they got a slow start to their season. They couldn't practice. They couldn't get out and play. I mean, they went out to Hawaii. Hawaii had played 13 games, and they were playing game number one, and they start the season slow. And they win, what, 13 of their last 15 games of the season? Of course, their RPI is so bad they don't make the tournament. But it was a team that was playing great at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, you see it every year in baseball. That's the thing about it. You know, you know what kind of depth are you going to have? You know you're going to have nicks and bumps and bruises. And that's, I mean, that's, you know, you start thinking about the ride you had last year, and everybody thinks it was just, you know, all sugar plums and strawberries, man. I mean, <laughs> you, you look at Rowdy George started out slow. We, you yeah. took him out of the, the leadoff spot, and you look at Scotty DeBrule, who lost his job at second base, and you know, then got it back. You look at Cam James, who lost his job at shortstop, lost it at third at one time, and mm-hmm. you came back and took it, and then everything just kind of gels. I mean, baseball, man, is just different. Yeah. And, I mean, you look at, you know, you look at, uh, at Landon Sims. Landon Sims was hit hard a couple times last year. Mm-hmm. And you look at how you play the SEC tournament. I mean, it's just an up-and-down deal, but, 
I mean, I feel good about what you got coming back. I really do. But there's some question marks. You know, how is landing going to be in that Friday night role? What does that do for you, you know, on Saturday and how you pitch on Friday nights behind him? I mean, what, what are you going to do at first base? Is Luke Hancock your guy at first? If, if he is your guy at first, what are you going to do in the DH role? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, there's just so many unknowns. And, um, you know, you've got some, some nice young guys coming in. You've got a transfer in RJ Yeager who, you know, was really good at Mercer. And so he comes in here and he may be your second baseman. He's hit the ball extremely well in the offseason. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, that's the thing, man. You know, Yeager hit 13 home runs last year at Mercer. Mm-hmm. You, know, he got, you know, you've got a, a known behind the plate in Logan Tanner. You know, is he going to be able to catch as many games this year as he did last year? Because he made it through healthy last year. Uh, so it's, there's just, uh, you know, what's, what's going to happen in center field? What's going to happen in right field? Is it Kellum Clark? I mean, uh, you feel good about Cumbus out and left, but I mean, hey, yeah. <laughs> there's just, Who's your second? Who's your third starter? Right. You know, is Casey Hunt going to be a starter? Is he going to be a closer? Is Parker Stinnett going to be a starter? Is he going to be a closer? Is he going to be middle relief guy? I mean, it's just, I don't, I don't think Chris Lamontis and those guys know right now because these next two weeks are very, very important for kind of shaping you early in the season. But the positive is this now. Here's what I like about Chris Lamontis. He's, he coaches from a macro and really not a micro. He's not a guy that kind of micromanages and you may see a different lineup every game. Uh, he's a guy that, that will make a move. He'll give a guy a chance. I mean, he gave, you know, he gave Josh Hatcher a chance last year at first base for a long time and, and then, you know, made a change. He moved Foskey from third to second a few years ago and just finally when he had to. I mean, he's a guy that will make change and, but he's not a dramatic, you know, dramatic guy who's going to coach from the micro every single game. Right. Bart Gregory on your radio right now. And, and Bart, so two weeks leading up to the start of the season, they're still figuring that out. And then when the season starts, I just look at the first two, if, if you just glance at the first two months, he's going to be figuring out some of this stuff, new faces and new places, against a schedule that in February or March has got – I mean, some real teams on it. Top 25 Long Beach State right out of the chute. You know, Southern Miss early in a neutral site game. Three games at Tulane in the beginning of March, and we know how that stuff goes. Right after that, two games against Texas Tech. Okay, and then not to mention before March is over, you get into SEC play, and you're going to go to Athens, Georgia, and that's a – if I'm looking at this schedule, right, it's a team, too, that is highly recruited and highly ranked and full of talent. So, like, you don't really ease into it on this schedule, do you? No, I mean, Georgia right now, you know, preseason number 16 in the country towards the D1 baseball. I mean, right. so you're you're going on the road to a top 20 you know, team your first SEC weekend. And then you come home and play Alabama in your first SEC weekend. But, you know, Tulane – we saw, hey, Tulane was closer to sweeping us last year than mm-hmm. you know than we were to sweeping them. And you know we had two comfort behind games on Saturday and then on Sunday. After that, Old Tough guy just kind of shoved it on us on Friday night. So um, you know, playing down there, playing that ballpark, you don't know if it's a warm weekend with the winds blowing out of the south, and then anything can happen. So right. um, yeah, I mean that's hey, that, that's the great thing is. You know, we're going to play Tennessee this year. You got to play Georgia. You got to play Florida. So, you know, those are the three teams out of the East. Now, you don't play Vanderbilt on the schedule, but, but you know, you've got Arkansas, Ole Miss, LSU. I mean, so that's six teams in the preseason top 20 
that you're going to play a three-game series with. And, oh, by the way, that doesn't count Texas Tech in the midweek. Right. And, and so, I mean, or, <laughs> or, uh, or Tulane or Long Beach State, who's in the top 25. And right. So, uh, that's what's so fun about baseball, man. Anything can happen. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. So, a couple of personnel questions just for you, Bart. Um, how realistic um, are, are are those, or were those rumors of the, you know, taking a look at a Cam James in the outfield and that kind of stuff? Um, I mean, you think that's you think that was ever a real possibility? I don't know, and I think it just kind of depends on you know who you talk to. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to a couple of scouts who have said that they'd really like to see. They, hey, we love to see Cameron James in the outfield to see uh-huh. what he could do out there because uh-huh. you kind of wonder, you know, what he translates to at the next level. Is it a, you know, is it a third baseman? Is it an outfielder? Uh, but I guarantee you this, Chris Lamonis, all he, you know, what he cares about, what he cares about the kids. Don't get me wrong, but he cares about the piece of the puzzle. What's going to help him win? Mm-hmm. And is it Cam James at third base? Is it Cam James in the outfield? And so, um, I don't know. I'm, that, that'll be, that'll be interesting to see. You know, you, you've got Jess Davis out in center field. You've got Skinner out in center field. The question is, is, you know, how those guys will hit. If they both have great athleticism, they can go get balls in the outfield. Uh, you know, what does that translate to? I mean, I, there are so many different scenarios. And here's the thing now, man, is everybody becomes a baseball expert and now everybody starts <laughs> throwing out scenarios, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I, I was, I was, Debating a guy yesterday, we were talking about, you know, Luke Hancock leading off. I mean, and so it just goes into a 15 minute debate about whether you let Luke Hancock because he works pitchers and he right. has good at bats. Is he a guy you, you put in your leadoff spot? And mm-hmm. so, I mean, it's, that's what's so funny. And that's what I love about this game is there's, there's so many, you know, debates within the game that, that make it so fun. Well, that's interesting. Um, yeah, you're right. So many debates that. We forget that free swinging Rowdy Jordan swung his bat at the first pitch of Game Three of the World Series and hit a line shot in the right field and set the tone for the rest of the ball game, right? But, but by all means, let's get a guy taking pitches, right? <laughs> I mean, it can, it can certainly, it can certainly go either way. Bart, uh, you mentioned uh, Parker Stanett. I've read some stuff about him and. Um, in terms of that rotation, we know it's Landon Sims on Friday nights to begin with. But if you're if you're look at taking a serious look at some contenders for Saturday Sunday, what names are you reading about? Well, and it's it's kind of who you believe um, mm. <laughs> because you, you've got you know you do have Stanet. I mean this this pitching staff has man they have some arms. Mm. I mean we talked about how deep this pitching staff was last year, but man when you get down into tournament time. When you get down at a regional time, when you got the college World Series time, that laundry list of pitchers came a really short list. I mean, we we rode we rode Landon Sims pretty hard last year, sure. you know, and you rode Bednar pretty long last year. And so, you know, is it a Brandon Smith? Is it a uh, you know is it a Preston Johnson? Is it a you, know, you feel good about Stone Simmons in the bullpen? Is it a Cade Smith? I mean, there's a guy who's a, mm-hmm. a young guy last year that, that has a really good arm. Um, and so you start, you know, start looking out there. Is it a, is it a Parker Stanette? Is it a Casey Hunt who has really looked good in the fall and, and early in the spring? And so, you know, you got Stone Simmons and man, just Mikey Tepper, who's a big live arm, who was a sophomore this year. And, you know, Drew Talley's still out there in the out, in the, in the bullpen. And so, 
Um, you know, you got, you know, Andrew Walling, the transfer, Cam Tolar. I mm-hmm. mean, Cole Cheatham, who's another freshman. It's just, you know, you got some arms out there and, um, you just got to make that decision of whether, you know, you're going to throw them in the start role. Hey, pitching so much different. And, and sure. I'm, I'm not name dropping here. I was just, I was having a conversation with our old good pal, Roy Oswald the other day. And it's just a different game now because, you know, when, when we were coming through, you needed seven innings out of your starter and then you had an eighth inning guy and then you had a ninth inning guy. Or traditionally you had, yeah, you know, you had a guy that you wanted to go eight and then had bring a closer into the ninth. And now in today's world, you know, you got the guys don't throw a max effort and you're trying to get four to five out of your starter. Then you've got, you start with a sixth inning. I got a sixth inning guy, a seventh inning guy, an eighth inning guy, then a ninth inning guy. <laughs> and so it's, uh, but hey, that's the, you know, the thing about, that process is you've got plenty of people in this bullpen that, uh, you know, that could be a starter, could help you in the bullpen and piece things together. Sure. Yeah, a few years ago, LSU had just one left-handed pitcher on their roster. And I'm looking at our roster right now, man. We got lefties and righties. We got all kind of options out of the bullpen. Yeah. And, and even sign one guy who can throw with both. I don't know if he's here yet, but I read about him too. That maybe that's where we're going. Bart, it's exciting, man. 14 days from today, we are Jonathan Holder from a first pitch and I can't wait to see and hear your broadcast thank you buddy bye man Riley Self too Riley Self that's right 14 thank you that's Bart Gregory you can follow him on Twitter at Bart Gregory if you don't already and he and Charlie do have uh, excellent content on their podcast the Out of Left Field podcast great interviews and insight and as they get closer to baseball they'll really uh, have some great stuff for you so check that out All right, so here we are, smack middle of hour two. Y'all stick around in the Farm Bureau studio. Who's ready for some football? Hey, if you love football, so does he. It's the Matt Wyatt Show. Nobody breaks down quarterback play better than him. And he's right here, right now. All right, back with you here. Hope you enjoyed the interview with Bart Gregory talking a little baseball. 14 days from today, you're going to throw out first pitch. Uh, State will host Long Beach State. Uh, Ole Miss is hosting, I hope I get this right, Ole Miss hosting Central Arkansas. I think it's, it's, I think it's, I'll look it up and see, but I know they're at home, obviously opening at home at Swayze. So that's all happening here in the state of Mississippi in 14 days. So exactly two weeks from today. Uh, Bentonia Bulldog texted, Right there at the end of that on the country-pleasing text line. Country-pleasing sausage on grocery store shelves throughout the southeast. I get mine at Walmart. You can get it at countrypleasing.com. Go to Country Meat Packers on Highway 49 in Florence. Be worth the trip. Bentonia Bulldog says, great interview with Bart. Now I wish you would consider an interview with Jim Ellis. Well, you know what? We will. Ab- I will absolutely try to make that happen. No idea what Jim's schedule is this, during the middle of the day like this, but as we're getting close uh, we'll see if we can make that happen between now and the start of the season. Absolutely. Yeah, and if y'all are ever listening and you think of somebody, hey, Matt, I wish you'd interview, just shoot me a text. Let me know. We'll see if we can make it happen uh, for you. Appreciate you listening. Uh, yeah. Oh, also, I want to thank Walton for the picture. Walton texted the show, and it was taken, it looks like with his cell phone, his vantage point, of what we mentioned in the interview, the first pitch of Game 3 of the College World Series Championship Series against Vanderbilt. And it was, as you know, Kumar Rocker 
versus Rowdy Jordan. First pitch of the ball game, Rowdy Jordan, bang, hits a fastball in the right field single and leads it off. The crowd goes nuts because you had over 24,000 people there and 23,999 of them were <laughs> rooting for uh, stayed and ready to explode if he got the opportunity. In the first pitch, he hacked at it and slapped it in the right field, and here we go. And, yeah, I mean, I referenced it because, you know, it's one of those where, you, you yes, you've had lots and lots of debates and conversations among di- us diehard fans over the years uh, this guy needs to be in a leadoff spot, and here's a, you know, and you're striking out too much as a leadoff guy, and we need you on base. We don't need a, you know, Rowdy needs to, you know, and and just like Bart said, he's having debates. People going, well, Hancock, you put Luke Hancock, okay, he's a guy who it's like what, and he he led the league in walks or something last year or whatever, and he's a great two strike hitter, and at the after one of those ball games, Tim Corbin said, man, Hancock, he specifically pointed him out. He said, Hancock, it's like the, the at-bat doesn't even start until there's two strikes on it. You know, and then he just pitch after pitch. He works a pitch. Everybody's going, well, maybe he should be a leadoff hitter. And we forget that, you know, like this tone setter, we, we I mean, they, they hadn't even gotten through announcing the starting lineups, and Kumar Rocker throws the first pitch, and bang, it's a single in the right field, and it set the tone. We're not taking pitches. <laughs> But Walton, thank you for your photo because this is outstanding. He had seats, or at least, you know, I guess he's a seat right behind home plate at TD Ameritrade, just looking right behind the umpire's head. It looks like, you know, you're in that first section, what, probably row 15? Great vantage point right behind home plate. And in your photo, you see that, Bright sunshine, and of course, everybody on their feet, and the the place just packed, and blue skies. Just a gorgeous picture, Walton. Thanks for sending that. Ah, it makes me think about warm weather. <laughs> I'm so sick and tired of this cold weather, but there's nothing I can do about it. Uh, unnamed texture did say, why did you mention Jonathan Holder? That's from DT. DT, because he wore number 14. I said, we're Jonathan Holder away from the start of the season. Today's 14 days, two weeks, 14. Jonathan Holder wore number 14 on his jersey. And then he mentioned Riley Self. Um, yeah, so that's why. Richard on YouTube said, baseball is such a strange game. When the Nats won the World Series, they started the season 19 and 31. <laughs> That's right. Had the worst bullpen ERA ever and did not win a single home game in the World Series. I know. Well, look at last year at Atlanta. You know, if any team out there last year in the National League had pretty good reason to kind of fold tent, uh, you know, I say pretty good reason. Uh, but I'm just saying, with all the injuries, and then Acuna blows his knee out and is out for the year. And you think about what an important piece and how you kind of build an organization around that kid's talent. And, you know, all these injuries. And then they go on and win the whole thing. Okay. And you make a, a move late in free agency and, and, and bring in Jorge Soler and think about what a big swing or two he had in the postseason, right? Like it is strange. And certainly at the major league level, it's a little different than college. But, 
I, you know, I mentioned it very intentionally, Richard. Been there before. Uh, here in the state of Mississippi, covering these teams. Um, some specific examples, and I could act. I, I guess I could look it up and go back and and tell you the actual numbers. In fact, I might do this because this might be actually a fun thing to look at here, real quick. Uh, y'all may remember the year. But it would have been sometime during the first decade of the 2000s, maybe somewhere around 04, 05-ish, 06, somewhere in there where you remember Mississippi State had a baseball team that started the year, I think it was 18-0. and 0. They were the number one ranked team in the country after several weeks and leading into the conference season. And by the time that season was over, they not only didn't make the NCAA tournament, they didn't even make the SEC tournament when it was all said and done. Same team that was 18-0 at one point, ranked number one in the country. Didn't even make Hoover. Uh, I remember that 2013 team for Mississippi State, John Cohen, the head coach, you know, the bench mob team, speaking of Jonathan Holder, Fraser at short, Renfro in the outfield, Graveman, your ace on Fridays, Holder coming out of the bullpen, Ross Mitchell, all those guys at 13 team, they started slow in 13. I remember, you know, I was on the radio then and remember having those early season conversations with fans that were uh, calling the show that I was doing back then and fed up, need to make a change, and this ain't working. (laughs) And it's like, you got to hang on. This early season baseball will absolutely fool you. And next thing you know, by the end of the year, they're playing UCLA for the national championship. A team that basically had one true starting pitcher, didn't they? You're, you're, you forget, I mean, they get to the finals of the College World Series with an ace on Friday night who's a major league guy in Graveman. But then when they would get to game twos and game threes, they're just trying to get three innings out of somebody and get to their bullpen. So that 13 team, maybe that was a different team. Yeah. Here it was. So that 2013 team had back-to-back midweek losses to Central Arkansas in early March. Okay, back-to-back losses. Then uh, hosted LSU uh, to open the SEC season in Starkville, and LSU won two out of three, Try, you know, um, State avoided the sweep with a Sunday win against LSU. Started slow. The very next weekend, that same team that had lost two in the midweek to Central Arkansas, had lost two to LSU in the opening weekend, went to Kentucky for its second SEC series. John Cohen against his old former team won the opener and then got back-ended and lost the series at Kentucky two out of three. One in the midweek. And then went to Fayetteville, Arkansas, the same team now. They're sitting there two and four to start the SEC season. LSU and Kentucky went to Fayetteville, Arkansas, lost two out of three. And then finally they got it going uh, for Super Bulldog weekend, took two out of three against Florida, and then started, you know, winning ball games and figuring it out. But they were off to a start. Their record was you know, kind of, sort of okay in the non-conference before you get into conference play, but 
kind of went limping into conference play and lost two midweek games to Central Arkansas, and people are like, oh, man, come on. And then you're losing. You lose the opening weekend two out of three, and then you lose on the road to Kentucky two out of three, and you lose two on the road to Arkansas. It's like, here we go. This ain't going to be good. Hold on. Settle in. Let's look at it game by game. And the next thing you know, we remember the story. They got hot, and they're in the finals in Omaha. That team that played UCLA for the national title had all those major leaguers on it. Talking Frazier at short, Renfro, Jonathan Holder, Graveman. I'm probably leaving somebody out. A bunch of other guys that that played Major League Baseball. Gerardo was up with Toronto for a while. They went 16 and 14 that year in the SEC. You have to remember that. Um, I don't remember exactly which one. It was It was one of Mike Bianco's early 2000s teams that was really good and, wound and, and made it to a super regional hosting Texas. One of those, Stephen Head, Brian Petway, Charlie Babineau, Mark Wright, uh, Matt Tolbert teams. One of those teams for that was really good under Mike Bianco. And again, was about one win away in a Super Regional from making it to Omaha in that early part of the 2000s. And they started the year something like four and six. <laughs> like, lost like six out of their first ten games that year, including they had a couple of losses to like, you know, somewhere over in way back Arkansas Tech. Yeah. And then put it together. And we're hosting Texas in a Super Regional before it was all over. So don't let the early part of the college baseball season fool you. Because sometimes it will if we get two up or two down. We'll wrap it up next here in the Bureau. Stick around. With more of the Matt Wyatt Show. The guy who, if he's not talking sports, he's fishing for bass, okay? But he's right here right now. Excellent point. Jimmy, on the live stream on YouTube, he said late season baseball fooled us last year. Hoover was an embarrassment. Jimmy, do you remember the conversations we were having after that travesty, that joke of an experience watching State play in Hoover last year at the SEC tournament, the conversations we were having, like, this just can't be good. (laughs) I mean... You know, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. They ain't going to win nothing in the postseason playing like that. You know, and then here we go. You're exactly right, Jimmy. You know, hey, look, for for what that's worth, you, you get last year through the regional. You're in the super regional, and then look at the outing in the super regional that Will Bednar had against Notre Dame. I mean, it was not pretty. And you're like, uh-oh. And so a week earlier, you watch Bednar against Notre Dame. You'd have no way of knowing or predicting that he was going to do what he did in Omaha, Nebraska. You got to be careful. That baseball deal, man, it'll fool you. 2016 Mississippi State baseball. You remember that Dakota Hudson-led team? Yeah. Went 21-9. and in SEC play. Went 21-9 and nine that year in SEC play. 
big-time major league starting pitcher on Friday nights. Dakota Hudson throwing four pitches that nobody could hit. And and cruising into the sometimes the seventh and eighth inning throwing 96 miles an hour. Go 21-9 and nine in the SEC. And lost two one-run ball games in the Super Regional to Bobby Dahlbeck and Arizona. And we forget even that team, as good as they were throughout the year. And the disappointment at the end, two one-run losses, a, a one nothing shutout, and then a 5-6 game that sent Arizona to Omaha. At the beginning of the year, that team went the, the same team that went 21-9 in the SEC, they began the year, you'll remember, with back-to-back losses to start the season to Florida Atlantic. And then about a week or two later, had a midweek loss to Eastern Kentucky, and then the very next night lost to Oral Roberts. <laughs> it's like, just settle down. I don't care who you are, how good you think you are, just get into the tournament and play your best then. Last year's team ought to be the best example of that. Okay, so let's do something here with a little bit of time left. Let's do a little house cleaning, housekeeping, that is. First up, I have a message for Dog Tired in Florence. You know who you are, Dog Tired in Florence, Mississippi. I've been sitting here all day talking about how I'm sick and tired of this cold weather, and I hate the cold weather, and I want it to end. But... You, dog tired, are helping me get through it because I just want to thank you for the goodies that you sent me. That super warm vest and that camo jacket and toboggan. I mean, it. Look, let me just say it this way from my upper body and my head is not going to be cold in part because you hooked me up, man. I just want to thank you publicly on the air. And Bill, the same way, you hooked yeah, him me up. Too. Yeah. You got no excuse either, Bill. No, I want to thank him, too, because, yeah, I can stay really, really warm now. <laughs> Needed it today. Oh, man. It's just like bitter cold. Sometimes that the temperature, you look it up and you go, oh, it's above freezing. Well, it'll lie to you also. It's kind of like early season baseball. It'll fool you. It's colder than it seems. So thanks, Dog Tire. We really appreciate you. Uh, you have You have men's basketball tomorrow. In the SEC, here's what, when, where, who, how, and I don't know what all. Top-ranked team in the country, Auburn, is on the road at Georgia. Georgia's good and terrible. Georgia has one SEC win this year. They're 1-8. They beat Alabama. Auburn just put up 100 on Alabama. Anyway, Auburn goes to Georgia tomorrow. They're 21-1, 9-0. Georgia's 6-16 overall. Seems like they put the resources into football. What do you think? Uh, also at noon tomorrow, 22nd-ranked Tennessee is at South Carolina. As you know, South Carolina is coming off that midweek loss to Mississippi State. Ole Miss coming off the midweek win in Baton Rouge will hit the road again. And tomorrow at 2.30 on the SEC Network, Ole Miss is at Florida. Now, some projections have Florida in the NCAA tournament. They are 14 and 8 right now, 4 and 5 in the league. But Ole Miss sitting there at 12 and 10, 3 and 6, trying to inch back closer to 500 in league play. They can do that if they can win tomorrow at Florida. They're capable of winning that game if they hit shots. Uh, Missouri goes to AM. LSU's on the road at Vandy. LSU's 4 and 5 in the SEC. 
And then the two late games tomorrow night, 7 o'clock on ESPN. Fifth-ranked Kentucky is at Alabama. And keep an eye on that one. Alabama coming off, they got whipped at Auburn. But Alabama has just been a different-looking team in Tuscaloosa. They really have. They, they've been, and, and the last game they played in Tuscaloosa was last weekend in the Big 12 Challenge. They beat fourth-ranked Baylor. Well, here comes fifth-ranked Kentucky to Tuscaloosa tomorrow night on ESPN at 7. Uh, by the way, side note, if y'all didn't know this, Greg Byrne, Athletics Director of Alabama, just announced today um, they're going to build a new basketball arena and a new facility or whatever for their golf team in Alabama, but they're going to build a new basketball arena at the University of Alabama. So Coleman Coliseum's days are numbered over there. I used, uh, growing up in Alabama, they used to, the high school state championships, you know, like here in Mississippi, they've always gone to Jackson. They always have, it's like everybody goes to the big house, all classifications. But in Alabama, when I was a kid, they would send half the classifications to Auburn. And so you'd have three, like the odd numbers, you'd have 1A, 3A, 5A would go play their state tournament at Auburn. And then 2A, 4A, and 6A would go play their state tournament in Tuscaloosa at Alabama's gym. And so when I was a kid, uh, a couple different times, my dad took us down there. And one year, I think our team, Russellville, might have been in, it in the 5A. We went to Tuscaloosa. It was a lot closer to where we lived in Russellville. But we'd go there and watch those high school games. I met Wimp Sanderson there as a little kid. He was an Alabama coach then. He was watching some guys play. Uh, I remember in there in the high school games in Coleman Coliseum, and this would have been mid-late 80s, um, watched Andalusia High School play for the 4A state championship, and their star player at Andalusia High School was this big six foot ten guy named Robert Ory, who later played at Alabama and later became big shot Bob with the Lakers and the San Antonio Spurs, got a bunch of championship rings in the NBA. And, uh, yeah, six foot ten, and Andalusia would throw the ball in to him. He would bring it up to court and take every shot. <laughs> that was their game plan, and it was a good one. And anyway, uh, then tomorrow night at 7.30 on the SEC Network, Mississippi State is on the road at Arkansas. And this is a big game, right? Because we've looked at State's upcoming schedule. you got a trip to Tuscaloosa in there. Uh, you're going to host Tennessee on the next weekend, uh, which is tough. Uh, just a bunch of tough games, including some on the road. Uh, I mentioned they're going to go to LSU and Baton Rouge. They're going to go to Tuscaloosa. They'll have a trip to Missouri, a trip to South Carolina left. They still have to host Auburn. Um, but these next two, it's at Arkansas, a team they've already beat in, beaten in Starkville earlier this year, but it's tough to go on the road to Arkansas and win. Arkansas hasn't played that great lately. Then you're going to turn around on the heels of that and host Tennessee, go to LSU, and go to Alabama. So they've got a stretch coming up that's going to be tough enough. And, and and this one included, it's a big game tonight, uh, tomorrow night for State. 7.30 tip. State's at 5-3 and three in the SEC. Arkansas at 6-3 and three, uh, in the SEC. How about this? Uh, my guys, uh, college football nerds over here on the YouTube live stream. Hey to y'all. Enjoy your content very much. They said, hey, Matt, I think the ultimate question for the sport is, talking about college football. How many programs are going to be able to keep up with these facility arms races and stay on top of name, image, and likeness? So you, you, dual purpose, 
We got to keep building, keep building facilities arms races, which, yeah, that's been going on for a while and no end in sight there. And at the same time, stay on top of name, image, and likeness stuff. How many? Well, the easy answer on the surface is, you know, obviously there are some with advantages, right? There are some with advantages. Let's talk about the Texas schools. Let's talk about schools with the major, major athletics budgets already, but really just university budgets. So, like, if you look at Alabama, you look even, frankly, at places like Tennessee, Florida. Other conferences have them, too. And I, But I think if you really drill down, if we really drill it down and get into the specifics, we know, you know, you got fundraising efforts at the university. Okay, which includes athletics and those fundraising, you're going to your alums, right? And you're asking them to give to this and to that, and they support you. Yes. And I understand that the idea is that those that same alum group is where the, the name, image, and likeness stuff is supposed to come from. However, technically and maybe even realistically in some ways, there is a bit of a dividing line. Right? Because if we're gonna even if there's even though there's some fundraising part of it that plays into building and, and facilities and growing what uh, you know geographically even it, it's still you know through the school and through their bank account if you will and technically again technically I know alum but name image and likeness is actually not through that same bank account. It's actually coming in from a different angle, supposed to happen in a different way. Yeah, I just think um, it's a very fair question because at the end of it, I mean, it's just there is for every school a finite number that is this is how much money is available to us via our alumni base, <laughs> right? And, and those are like snowflakes. They're different for everyone. And I get it. Hmm. It's a very interesting, thought-provoking question, because to give it an, a, an actual answer would require some thought and some studying, and I'm not surprised it came from you guys. <laughs> so maybe we can pick that conversation up at a later date since we're out of time now. For Bill, I'm Matt. Everybody here on the show in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio, Farm Bureau Insurance, y'all have a great weekend. See you on Monday. See ya.